The Buffalo Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Monique Gordion, and the great news is you found the podcast, a space for stories that will arouse a smile and inspire us as we tap into our collective experiences. Enjoy. Welcome everybody to the Buffalo Podcast. It's so wonderful to have you back. And I've got the wonderful Tim Buxton here today. How are you doing, Tim? Lovely, Monique. Thank you so much for joining me in this lovely abode we have. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm actually in a proper podcasting studio, which is a first ever. Uh, yes, hello. There's cameras, there's everything. It's pretty exciting. A little intimidated by the big mic, but that's okay. So, Tim, I met you at the TEDx Corumban. Uh, you gave a chat, mm-hmm. uh, a talk, a TEDx talk, and which is now, is it up on It TED is up on YouTube, talks? yes, and TED page, I think. Yeah, yeah, so it's all, all, all good to go now. It's all good to go. It's up wow, and away. That's, so, folks, if you want to um, hear Tim Buxton, B-U-X-T-O-N, he's on the TED Talk. So, Tim, how are you? I'm, I'm so <laughs> grateful just to sit across. I remember we were chilling out in the in, intermission, I guess, yes. halfway through and, and you came up and, and I remember seeing you there and we just had a great conversation. I know, it was great. I was hanging around with you and your wife. Yes. It was really nice. So that was great fun. It was a hoot. Now, Tim, you know, I've told you a little bit about this podcast that mm. it's really just um, an opportunity for people to share a story. Um, now, I have heard you talk about some of the events that happened for you, uh, mm. which was precipitated your... Um, your business, or what do you call it? A not-profit, not charity. charity. Um, maybe we could start off with that sure. and then just see where we go. Yeah, you know, I would say the charity that uh, we started, yep. well, I'd like to call a social impact organisation because mm, charity nice. sometimes sounds yeah. very like I'm just pitying you and that's yeah. certainly not my vision of charity and mm. I'd Certainly don't want to make a loss. So non-profit just mm. sounds terrible too. Yeah. So social impact. How can we do whatever we do, mm. um, whatever, to, to, to bring a social impact in for us? It's what I believe are the most vulnerable people on this planet, which are people that have been forcibly displaced from their homes, which makes mm. them vulnerable to the elements. It makes them vulnerable to um, all kinds of other human rights injustices, whether it be human trafficking, forced labour, mm. it really is the root cause for so many other forms of, of of injustices. So for me, it's like I want to make sure people that are displaced feel like they belong and hence the word yeah. for the charity that we came <laughs> up with, our, our organisation, is You Belong. Yeah, which is beautiful. It's simple and and it's, it's, it's a crisis actually, mm. isn't it? In the world today. I mean, it's yeah. been like that for a, quite a while. I know when I've travelled overseas, I've seen lots of refugees, yeah. you know, selling Eiffel Towers in Paris yeah. and beads in Greece and stuff like that. But it's just got worse and worse yeah. over the years, hasn't it? Well, you know, I think, I think it has. I mean, since World War Two, there's now 80 million. It's the most since World War Two displaced. 80 million people and 40% are children. So I could throw out statistics oh, to you. Yeah, so 40% are under the age of 18. Mm. So when we're talking about these waves or masses of people, which uh, I think the media over-sensationalises, mm. and you just get these lump statistics, you kind of get a bit desensitised. But when yeah. you look at the face of a child yeah. and think that, you know, four out of every 10 mm. 
refugee is a child. That's a great way to bring it down, four out of ten. Yeah. It's much more graspable. Yeah. You can kind of connect with that. Yeah, that we're not talking numbers. about the, the fear-mongering kind of stuff that's plastered on our news it's mm. that, that get us, you know, they're knocking down our walls and, and, yeah. and trying to, you know, take our jobs. And, and the, the opposite, absolute opposite is the truth. They are the most courageous, mm. most intelligent, mm. most integrous, most resilient, most mm. broken and traumatised too mm. and vulnerable, mm. yet they're all that and one. And I think they're a picture of, I think, when we look at them, of our own selves, our own lives. They're, mm. they're just a mother, a father, a teacher, a, mm. someone that's just lost it all. And uh, I think uh, the people that have taught me the most throughout my whole life. And so it's a bit of, it's a, actually a joy to just kind of mm. live my life to to. Pay mm. it back, I guess. Oh, it's great. So maybe we could back it up a yes. bit and go to um, Syria, I think. Iraq. Iraq. Can we swing back to that? Yes. And then that can bring us forward as to, to mm. why you're doing what you're doing now. Can I go Can I go before Iraq? Yeah. Is that all right? Please. Yeah. You know, I was, I was saying this before. Um, I was born in Indonesia. Mm. Um, my parents were missionaries in Indonesia and also in West Papua, which is the Indonesian yep. side of, Pop, of of New Guinea, mm-hmm. Eri and Jaya at the time. I had the most amazing parents. Mm. They just wanted to serve those, um, the poor, the, the, those in need. They, they showed me what it was to live for others, to be the most hospitable pe- pe- people in the planet. I remember growing up when we moved back to Australia and every Christmas time when it's almost Christmas and we've got the Christmas coloured light things yes, on right we now do. and green I just <laughs> didn't get the memo, I should have worn my green T-shirt. Um, but every Christmas we'd always have someone from the local low security prison that would come and spend Christmas with us. My parents were just constantly, those that were on the outside of society were just welcomed in our home. I, we always had people from all over the world staying with us because they'd had so many connections with different cultures and countries. And, you know, I was my, well, my baby pictures were, were me as a little white boy in a Dani village in the yeah. highlands of New Guinea. I mean, wow. I think I, I, I even remember all my friends at school were Indian or from other <laughs> countries. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't choose this life. No. It chose chose me. And I how guess. old were you when you left? So um, I, I don't remember. I don't remember mm. except from I've literally my parents. I was three. Oh. My parents, my dad in particular, had these photo albums. Mm. Like we had about twelve or thirteen photo albums that were just this massive, like that. That you know, like f- two inches or, or ten, yeah. you know, five centimeters thick of just yeah. like page after page after page of photos. Kind of like back in the day when they you'd go the slides, yeah. you know, and yeah, then you'd yeah, have, yeah. we had those too. So um, anyway, so we'd have, um, you know, so many of these uh, pictures that I kind of relived my childhood through. But I think there was this one common theme to bring it back to my parents and the hospitality that they showed is that I grew up feeling like I, my parents showed us mm. what that we are just supposed to make people feel welcome. You're just supposed to make people feel loved and accepted mm. wherever they're at for who they are. And it was something that was ingrained in me. What a wonderful heritage for you. Oh, my gosh. To, you know, to have that. Because, you know, what you get in the first seven years of mm. your life, first four years, but first seven years, 
is actually how you see the world, how you perceive the world. It's a basis for that. Mm. So you're very blessed, uh, actually. Exactly. And that's why you can't take credit for anything, no. really. You just thank. Yeah, yeah. Be thankful. Yeah. Okay, so? So um, moved to New York. Oh. Like most people do okay. when they're in their 20s. <laughs> Skipped a whole big chunk of life there. Did you go to uni? Like I, I did and I dropped out after six months. Okay. Uh, what were you studying? I was studying human movement. So I oh, thought really? I, yeah, I, I did pretty good at school. Um, yeah. Thought I wanted to be a sports physio. I love sports. I love mm-hmm. adventure. Realised, you know, I I ended up dropping out and going to Bible college. So I went because oh, okay. I really felt like I wanted to help people, mm. right? And that's what you do when you grow up with parents that, yeah. you know, grew up in the church and mm. this was the obvious basic, you know, way to do it. And yeah, so that's right. It's uh, the known. It's the known, yeah. yeah. And so I did. I went to Bible college. It took me 14 years to graduate from Bible college. Oh, and this is in New York? No, you so went this, to was Bible in, oh. this was here in, in Australia. Oh. And then at 22, uh, without graduating, I just got a round-the-world ticket, went, <laughs> went around the world and went to this – this church in New York City that was known for helping drug addicts and oh. homeless people, and I just fell in love with it. I was mm-hmm. like, "This is where, I, like, this is what I want to do." And so I ended up getting getting was, a job. Was there. that in Harlem or something like that? No, it was or? in Times Square. It was called oh. Times Square Church. Okay. I mean, this was it was started back in the day when oh. Times Square was known for just like, like people living on the streets. Just living on the streets. Yeah. There was you know drug deals on every corner. I mean, this was mm-hmm. before they try to clean it all up it was just notorious back in the day didn't know that yeah and so they started that a church there and they reached out to the the gangs and the poor and the vulnerable mm. and and so it's my kind of deal like yeah uh, there's a there's a actually you know uh, someone that loves or values ancient scripture uh, one of my favorite verses is that god lives with the poor and the brokenhearted mm-hmm. so if you want to actually be where god is just hang around people that are broken and mm. and poor that's mm. kind of where you find him and so well that's who J- jesus hung around hey right <laughs> you better so buy your dollar he did yeah 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 but anyway so mm. so yeah huh. so i went to new york and yep. then um worked there for 10 years met my incredibly stunningly beautiful wife used every amounts of aussie charm i could find oh, so sweet and, and was she in that church? And she wasn't. She was living in South Africa at the oh. time. She was working with AIDS orphans. Oh, and okay. She, so similar. Yeah. Seeing the world. Yeah. Totally. So mm. she like left and lived in a Russian army tent by herself. I mean, oh, you've seen what, seriously? you know, see her, her little blonde-haired She's petite small, figure yes. living in the, in the <laughs> middle of, of, of KwaZulu-Natal wow. in a, a Russian army tent. Uh, she spent three months in the, by herself wow. in living out of her car waiting for a electri- the electric and the water to be turned on at one of the orphan centres, in uh, AIDS orphan centres, wow. um, and didn't leave until they got mm. power. Mm. That's how courageous and determined she was for these little kids and so obviously meeting someone like that mm. and if you've seen her she's drop dead gorgeous i mean <laughs> I, uh, I did everything i could and you know thank yeah. god i've got an aussie accent right <laughs> works a charm on those americans so. oh so she's american she's from new york yeah oh okay so and so she went home she maybe. went home ah. and i saw her and and that oh, was Americans it. love Aussies, don't they? They, I tell you what, they do. We don't really, we don't really pay them back in uh, the same way, though, do we? Oh, we won't go there. No, <laughs> we won't. 
I have lots of American friends, actually. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm American now, so you, you know you better be careful oh. what you say about Americans. Oh, so. Yankee, hey? Yankee Doodle. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I go for the Mets. Hence, there's a New York Mets hat there. Oh, okay. I do not go for the Yankees. <laughs> Anyways, then I end up go- we end up we end up going to Iraq. I end up going oh. for work because I was working for this church, and um, I ended up. Going on Iraq because and no one else wanted to go, and I was like the third straw. Okay, can you go for us? Mm. Um, and and I just was there one on one trip, um, and I just felt like this is where I need to be. I went and told my wife, and she said, "No way." She was pregnant with our first child, and then a, a few years later, really literally a few years later, after doing several trips, taking teams there to help in, with a community centre there, we ended up deciding to move and just happened to be on the same day that another group of people decided to move to Iraq. Yeah. Who was? The Islamic State. Oh, <laughs> so everyone knows ISIS. ISIS. Yeah. Um, yeah, they... Oh, my goodness me. That's pretty yeah. full on, right? Man. Yeah, okay. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> Let us just... <laughs> Let Take that in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I showed this picture of my wife holding our three young children um, during, in the TED Talk, right? So a nine-week-old, baby Lily. Uh, one-year-old, actually, she corrected me afterwards. This oh. was, he wasn't two, it was one. Mm. And a one-year-old Charlie and a uh, three-year-old Eliana. Um, and we had three young children, 50 degrees, and we land mm. and literally uh, 50 kilometres away... Uh, there is ISIS coming across the border. We had no clue. They're invading the city of Mosul. And uh, overnight, um, you know, uh, people are displaced from Mosul, from all over Iraq. They were they were already spreading. So they're um, just running away from People ISIS, are just basically, basically fleeing, just fleeing. Yeah, and if they yeah. didn't, especially ethnic minorities, religious minorities, if they didn't flee, they would... Um, be killed, enslaved. I mean, th- thousands and thousands of women were enslaved and used as in sex slavery and human trading by ISIS. Uh, most of the men were just killed because yeah. they 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 were a threat. And and um, it was. I mean, we were there for three and a half years. It was. It was. Yes, it was intense. Um, but it. Uh, <laughs> You saw the best and the worst in humanity in in crisis, and I think sometimes we think there's only the worst to be seen. And yes, we could highlight all these terrible things, but what we witnessed of a local community in Iraq welcoming our family was the most incredible gift I would ever receive in my life. Yeah, I think in the TED Talk you showed a picture of of two Muslims from no, no, yeah. two different religious, um, minorities, religious minorities, Shabak, Shia Muslims, and Yazidi who Muslim. had, under normal circumstances, yep. were um, in opposition to each other. Yeah, or I mean, enemies or, or just 100%. not aligned, or but they became friends and. Yeah, look, um, Muslims uh, and Yazidis did not get along well. In this area, whether you were Shia Muslim, Sunni Muslim, okay. uh, the different people groups just lived in their own kind of like mm. echo chambers, which mm. I, I guess, you know, we, we do the same in the West here. You know, we live in our little group of tribe of people that we get along with and, and don't have a lot of high tolerance for people that are different to us. Um, no different there except, you know, they will actually, you know, 
um, wage war in in some circumstances, and so well, it's a different culture. It's a different right? culture. So, yeah. and and let's just be honest, ISIS like is not is fund was funded by various geopolitical powers. Not to not to not yeah, to I think the US, the US funded was funding ISIS them in actually. Syria, uh, yeah. Australia, like all these yeah, yeah, Russia. Yeah. I mean, it's when you when you really get down to it, you can't you can't just generalize a culture and you can't just generalize a you've got like like we were saying before, you've got to see two men yeah. standing side by side weeping yeah. because it's time for them to go back home. ISIS has been kicked out of Mosul. ISIS is, is getting kicked out of Sinjar, where both of those are from, and they want to go back home, but they don't want to say goodbye to each other because for three years they've shared food together. For three years they've lived side by side. They were forced to care for each other and live in community with each other, get their children educated in the school that we had for them. They were weeping. You saw those photos. It, it, it moved you to tears. They were weeping. It would be great if I could put get that photo and put it on the Instagram because it it really shows the yeah, the heartache that they had in parting from each other. It was very moving. Yeah. And you know what I love about your story and, and I know it's not finished, but you know, I, I actually don't watch the news, the mm. commercial news. Um, but we hear only one side. We yeah. don't hear the humanity really. We just hear the politics and all of that. So this is why I find your story so important. Mm. Yeah, I I mean, we had to turn the news off. Mm. Could you imagine oh, living could you, you imagine there. living in Iraq? <laughs> and yeah. and you're and you're listening mm. to the news and CNN and BBC saying, Oh, the ISIS have captured, you know, and you know when they were putting them in the jumpsuits and they were uh, you know, doing all yeah. those terrible yeah. scenes that yeah. everyone you know, the media just gobbled up. Yeah. And we're like, oh, that's like that's two hours away from us. Mm. It got to the point where my wife at one point was like calling me, Tim, can you quickly come home? She just saw someone that was black in wearing all black on the roof, a, a couple, you know, we just lived, we didn't live in a compound. We lived in, oh, in okay. a little, mm. in a home, just in a little community with, with everybody else. And, and she just was like afraid, not, mm. Not because she had anything to be afraid of, but because she was filling her mind with yeah. with. So we like, you know what? Yeah. We're like you. We just don't watch the news. Yeah. It's not true. It's not. So can I ask you a question? Um, you you don't know need to go into too much detail, but how did you cope um, mentally, emotionally, uh, being in that environment to not be in fear all the time? Like, what? Well, obviously, you're going to be getting thoughts. Mm. Of, you know, of fear and because that's natural. We yeah. all have thoughts of fear no matter where we are. How, what I mean, I know you're a Christian, right? Yeah. So ha- I don't know if you want to share how you personally coped with that. If, if yeah. that's something let you me, want let to me share. Put it, uh, yeah, well, you brought up Christian and, and I would say this. I'd say I believe that God is love. Mm. That's what I believe, right? And you could point to a Bible verse that says it, but mm. regardless, mm. to me, mm. the essence mm. of God is love. Mm. Perfect love mm. casts out fear, mm. right? Mm. And 
Love is something that I believe can only be truly transmitted relationally. It's 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 a it's a give and a take. It's and it's it's a it's an internal give and take too. You know, it's it's love your neighbours, you love yourself. Now, when we lived in this town, mm. they these beautiful people, mm. the people of Saran, loved us. Mm. Wow. How can you live in fear yeah. when the people around you? Yeah. When I had to go back to to the US to do some fundraising to try and raise money to build a school and to build a medical clinic and to do what we were doing. Mm. I left my wife with my three kids mm. in this town mm. for 10 days, right? I went <laughs> to try and, you know, get the support we needed. Mm. Do you know, we didn't have to, to send an email out, can you deliver meals to my wife, you know, or mm. can we put on a WhatsApp group? You know, Every single day meals were brought over. From our neighbours, every single day, the the young women in the the in our neighbours came over to help Sarah look after the children. Mm. Didn't have to ask; mm. it was their obligation, their duty, their love, their joy. You're a guest in our town, mm. and if they can treat us like that, mm. who they could be very suspicious of. You're American or Australian. What are you doing here? Are you with the government? Are you are you trying to? religiously convert us to your religion like what what other agenda are you really here for but no they chose to just accept us mm. and love us and believe the best in us that's a that's great to hear can we do the same we should be doing that here with our friends mm. and but you know that's not the story you hear no uh, enough of you know with muslims in particular right especially here in australia because we've Drunk the Kool Aid, as they say in America. Mm. We've we've swallowed the the propaganda. Mm. So this is great what you're saying. That someone who identifies mm. as a different religion. I mean, look, if you were a Christian in the Deep South a couple of decades ago, and caught mm. you could you were, could have been associated with the Ku Klux Klan. I mean, like we can hatred lives mm. in in. Anywhere. It can live anywhere. Mm. Um, and so yes, can love. Anywhere. Yeah. And, and I think true love is action. Yes. And, yeah, that's just it. True love is action. And, and we, we, were, we, you've, you've, we received it. Mm. So when you go back to how do you cope mentally, mm. how, do you, how, do you, how do you live in a harsh land where everything screams at you, you don't belong, it's different, mm, mm. Um, where we didn't have power for most of the day, half the day, you don't have power, it's 50 degrees heat, you don't ha- You get water delivered every couple of days, you can't do the washing when you want to do the washing, you, you, you've you got to monitor everything, you, you're basically camping, living life, life like you're camping like And like you're in every the desert, day. right? Well, where we're in the mountains, oh. but... It was like 50, in the summer, it's like 50 degrees every day and dry. That's Celsius. Mm. And then in the winter, it snows. Oh. And it's just snow, 360 <laughs> degree snows, really? snow capped mountains around you. And what work just, um, what work were you actually doing in there? Yeah. So you were. The organization was Weld Orphans, and mm. we were, we had a community center that was being built at the time when we got there. Mm. And then we ended up just building micro refugee 
villages. Mm-hmm. We would, these families were just fleeing and they would flee in like groups of 20, 30 families, you know, their uncles and aunties and their brothers and their sisters, their neighbours mm-hmm. were all relatives. And so yep. they would just kind of flee in these groups of about 100 or 120 people. Yep. So instead of getting caught into like a 20,000 person refugee camp, yes. uh, they were making their way to our region mm-hmm. and with all well, that's you know, we didn't think, but we consulted with the local mayor and the government and we kept them in these, like, groups of families mm. and they they cared for themselves. Mm. You know, they didn't need security. Mm. They didn't need, you know, if one person got a job, they'd, they'd share it with everybody else. There wasn't this competition that happens in the larger camps. And so it was just like this perfect number mm. of, of people that were related that that naturally cared and had the dignity to be able to do that. We built for them their own bathrooms and their own kitchens so that they didn't feel like they were in some prison going to some, you know, like being depending on everyone and everything for everything. So, yeah. So you eventually left after three and a half years. Yeah. Um, did those, you don't call them camps, do you? Did you call Micro camps? villages. Micro villages. Did they continued on or did they go back to where they came so from? So the people that occupied at the time... Mm. Almost all of them have gone back to their oh. homes. However, the Syrian war and civil war is still going on and there's other Syrian families that have been displaced for, for 10, 15 years that have mm. s- since then moved in to occupy um, and because they, they're still unable to go back into parts of Syria that are still um, yeah, in, in, yeah, are so freeing and, yeah. and, and so many parts of so of the facilities you put in place are being yeah. used oh yeah they're still yeah. being used okay. there's a school that's, that's still great. being used there's a hospital medical clinic which is a mini hospital really that's being not only used for these families but is is serving the local community as well so and so that um organization you worked for are they still running that yeah yeah so world uh, often yep. still operates world there yeah 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 and so you left. Yes. You came to Australia, is mm-hmm. that correct? Came. Yes, we did come to Australia. We like um, we went by New York and spent oh, a few months there nice. and then then yeah. then just kind of like plonked here and didn't know what I was going to do. Are you a Queensland boy? Oh, yeah, yeah, most yeah, yeah most, most, uh, most of my life is. I mean, I know in you Australia is definitely yeah, Queensland. Yeah. I'm a maroon. I'm a oh, Queenslander. <laughs> Yeah. We won't hold that against you. No, uh, it's actually no. I'm a Queenslander there too. So yeah, I'm not really into football. No, though. neither am I. I don't like rugby. <laughs> no, they they hurt each other. I'm no. a bit. I'm really kind of. I find the violence is really difficult. <laughs> but that's me. I'm just a softy. Anyway, so you came back and um, did you immediately start up YouBelong.org? Within a few months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was Uber driving. Huh. I was like. We didn't have a. We kind of had, kind of had a, a pretty quick exit. We had twelve hours. Like I shared with you our our exit when we first got there, our kind of evacuation that we had to do. Well, we had to leave again, mm. and it was a. We had twenty four hours to make up our mind whether we're going <gasps> to. Is stay. that because ISIS were coming to? No, ISIS like, was, was defeated, the but the region we were living in decided to have a referendum oh. and break away from Iraq. The oh. Kurdish region wanted to break away from Iraq, so it's a northern part of Iraq. And as you could tell, Baghdad and the southern part of Iraq were like, you ain't going to break away. Yeah. 
And then the Kurds living in Iran, if they broke away and formed their own country, the Kurds living in Iran would want to break away and form their own Kurdish country, and the Kurds in Syria would want to do the same, and the Kurds in Turkey would want to do the same. See, the, t- the Kurdish people are, are like anywhere from 30 to 40 million people in the world. They don't have a country of their own. And so they've wanted independence, and so this, this group in northern Iraq said, let's have our independence, now's the time. They voted in favour of it and then overnight Iran, Iraq, Syria and Turkey, who surround them, closed all the borders. They um, said, you've got three days and we're shutting down the airport. My wife was pregnant with number four and the families were already moving back to their homes and we're like, you know what, I think it, I think we should go home. We're going to go home to have the baby. I think we should just go home mm. now and we did, and uh, my wife and children have never since returned. I've, I've gone back. Oh, have you? Once. Um, but um, it was a it was a pretty traumatic. We just left oh, everything. And yeah. we dropped it all and, and landed and in Australia. And how many hours? Like, like what sort of time Literally frame? 12 hours to 12 pack hours. everything up. So that, that's pretty... When we made the decision. Hmm. Well. But... Um, Life's like that. Life's sometimes. like that. <laughs> You've got to go. You've just got to make a you decision. You don't know, and 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 just trust, really. Yeah, yeah. And letting go. You know, that's one of the trickiest things in life is letting go, letting go of perceived your future, letting go of the past, letting go of the present, and um, mm. it, yeah, it's letting go is a skill. I like that you say that because at the time it felt like I was giving up. And I think the stubbornness, I, it was actually my wife. Mm. Are you going to make me cry? Oh. Um, I remember just my wife um, saying, I think it's time we have to leave. Mm. I was, I'm a stubborn person. I'm like really, um, yeah, I, I never, I'm pretty got a lot of determination, mm. you know, and... Um, and I knew it was time. Mm. And she just looked at me. Mm. She said, Tim, never forget this. She said, whatever you do, I know you're going to do so good. Mm. I am so proud of you. Mm. At the moment when I felt like we were losing everything that we had built, our life, our friends, I mean, we didn't have time to even say a proper goodbye to people we'd, who were our closest friends in our whole entire life but for her to just look at me with such loving confidence and say i believe in you and whatever you do you you always do do a good job at was it made it easier easier to just i guess like what you say just let go and just okay i can do that it was really hard probably the most Hardest things I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Wow. But you did it. <laughs> <laughs> and how beautiful that your wife is so supportive. Oh, I mean, she has knows been. you probably probably better than anyone. So yeah. I, Everywhere I go, I will, I will tell her you, she's the hero in our family. She's... I told you before what she did in Africa. She could do what I was doing. Mm. She had to stay in 
home most of the time and raise our children and homeschool the children. Mm. She built and established a preschool mm. whilst we were there for the children yeah. and trained up all the teachers there. I mean, the things that she did yeah. and the legacy she left there, mm. incredible. But here's the thing. If it was me that was going to stay home and raise the children and homeschool the children, there's no way I could have done what she did. She could easily do what I've done. I'm I'm always certain. And that to me is the that that to me is like, well, that's what makes her much more, in my eyes, remarkable and 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 wonderful than you know any I get yeah. to be the one that gets up and do TED talks and speak yeah. and people think, but they don't realise. No. It's a team. It is a team. And yeah, I mean, you're you're blessed to be in a partnership like that, in a relationship, mm. that's fantastic. Mm. You know, here's to more of that. It's here's a gift. Yeah, yeah. She's a valuable person by the sounds of things. She's put up with a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you came back and you were an Uber driver. I was an Uber driver, and that would have been bis- um, discombobulating, right? Because you've gone from running, doing all these things to to cart and drunk. Yeah. Teenagers around <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the night. And it's like, what the hell the am I doing? Sunshine Coast, right? you know? Yeah. So they have no idea mm, what no. what's going on. No. And that could, you, you know, could turn you into someone who's cynical and bitter and all of that. It could. A hundred percent. I I think I was I was gifted again mm. with the discovery that the very same people that we were caring for in Iraq were now being given visas to Australia. And I just started driving every week that I could. Mm. I drove up to Toowoomba three hours there, three hours back. Um, Anytime I could, I I would go up there and just meet with these families, Mm. spend time with them and speak their language because I could could somehow speak their language. I could understand their culture. I knew their religion. So different and misunderstood yeah. from anybody else. No one really, even to this day, they fully understands that, it. Right? Well, I mean, I'd I'd, yeah. I'd been to their holy temple like mm. twelve times. I've sat down with their pope, their sheikh, their mm. Baba Chawash, who's still there. Sh- uh, Baba Sheikh, who's since died, and is um, mm. passed on. But I mean, these were their precious people, and I felt like family again. Mm. So. Um, Youbelong.org.au is the organisation that you're uh, currently, just quickly before we finish, do you want to just give us a little bit of a rundown on what work you're doing at the moment so people out there can look you up and and connect in any way, help in any way if they feel so led? Yeah. Well, you you just said like within a few months, if you don't feel a sense of in crazy transition in life, if you don't Mm. feel a sense of safety, security, Mm. of belonging you can really quickly turn cynical and resent mm. where you've come from or where you've been, mm. what's happened to you. Um, it's so important within the first six months that a refugee, someone that's finding their feet here in a new land, mm. feels a sense of welcome and support. It can be the most pivotable moment in their life for mm. the rest of their journey and settlement here in Australia. Mm. And so we've prioritised the first five years of, of a refugee's life. We provide English curated classes where it's more one-on-one we provide trauma care programs that are group workshop that are for children in schools as well as for the adults we have 
all kinds of social activities and picnics and events. We have a podcast called Who Is My Neighbour to educate and inform the Australian public about about these incredible people and their incredible journeys just the way as you interview people. You know, everyone has a remarkable story. They just need to have the opportunity to, to listen. And, and, and so that's what we do. We just facilitate the community of Australia to engage with the most remarkable people on the planet, these waymakers, these people waymakers, that yeah. are not refugees anymore. They're, they are truly are the ones that are making a way and, and leading the way. And this is primarily in Toowoomba that you're it's working? primarily in Toowoomba and in two days yes. on December the 10th, mm-hmm. Human Rights Day, oh. we are launching You Belong International. Oh, yay! Isn't that amazing? <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm going to be in, wow. I'm going to be in uh, the US in January. Yeah. Um, we've launched our US office, You Belong, wow. in the USA. And so I'm going to be spending some time meeting with partners and uh, hopefully going to... Uh, the Middle East and Europe mm. to start um, work on some projects in oh. Greece, oh in Turkey, so in fantastic. in Israel <laughs> and Palestine, and we are just so excited. Wow! So That's jump great. on board and yeah. read more about yeah. about what we're doing. It's really exciting. Yeah. So I'm going to provide a link in the notes yes. in the podcast. So if you make sure that Beautiful. you give that to me. Unfortunately, we we run out of time. I, know. I can talk. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, it's great. I have so appreciated what you're doing, but also uh, making yourself available. Love it. For the Buffalo podcast. So Yoo-hoo. everyone, yahoo. Thank you, podcast listeners. I just so appreciate you checking in and 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 listening to Tim and myself jabber on and no and uh, and just have a wonderful time here and, and go well, live in peace, live in joy. Ciao.